In today's episode of our podcast, we're going to be speaking again about mental health. Today, I'm joined by Liga Seagrot, who is the founder and managing director of HR Fit for Purposes. Lisa, welcome. Hi, George. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit more about your professional journey and what is HR Fit for Purposes? Sure. Okay, so I've been running HR Fit for Purpose now for four years. I created it out of the um, experience I had of a mental health breakdown caused by stress and bullying in the workplace. Um, and I've been an employee for 30, something around 30 years. So I've been in employment a long time in a senior capacity. And then I experienced some really toxic workplace behavior, which was, you know, bullying and which created a huge amount of stress yeah. for me. And when I finally got myself back on my feet, because I had to leave the job that I'd loved for so many years, because I just couldn't stay. It was just, it was absolutely ringing me out because of the stress. Um, I decided I had to do something positive with my negative experience of this very toxic behavior with people. And I'd also seen how devastating that was for what was once a really good, well-run organization with great people. And it just, you know, these few individuals just destroyed it. So um, I kind of, played around with the name for a bit and then you know the key is you know are your people fit for purpose hence human resources hr are your people yeah. fit for purpose? that's how we became about the title and then we launched during mental health awareness week uh in 2017 and ever since then we've you know we've been working with lots of different people to help them improve their workplaces <laughs> when we speak about mental health, can we just perhaps uh, specify in terms of vocabulary, what is mental health? Is, for example, stress qualified as you know, a mental health problem? Or yes. just simple anxiety? Yeah, I mean, stress for me, well, my experience of stress, um, what it created for me is that, you know, we don't realize that we often get headaches and stomach aches. They're the first sign of stress in your body your body is starting to tell you something's not right so you know we kind of power through because we think headaches stomach aches normal yes they are to a degree but not when you're getting them too often um but the other way that stress manifested itself for me in terms of my mental health was it paralyzed me i couldn't function properly i couldn't drive um even my physical capabilities were impaired at times because the panic attacks took my body over yeah and almost you know i just seized up i just couldn't function so stress in terms of a mental health condition absolutely because that's what it creates for you in terms of those symptoms and those problems so without a doubt stress is definitely a mental yeah. health issue yeah and what's interesting is that what is interesting is that you also mentioned that it manifests itself uh, physically. You, for example, yes. are getting a stomachache or you yeah. are struggling to drive, etc. physically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and for, my, and for myself, just, you know, for really to share it, to help others, um, I, I was turning up at the workplace out of breath, literally driving, but then finding that my breath was getting more and more rapid as I was getting nearer the building. Then I would get into the car yeah. park and my whole body was shaking that I had to wait to calm down before I could get out of the car because I couldn't walk my legs were just weak beneath me you know yeah, yeah. very powerful very but very debilitating very debilitating what, 
what do you think are the things that are making a healthy workplace environment that is going to you know prevent a situation like that where people are stressed leadership is the key <laughs> i mean it's about it comes from the top to be honest and of course in roles of leadership you're often stressed yourself but you know that kind of goes with the job but you know when you're in a position of employing people or you know you've got volunteers or even subcontractors working for you your leader needs to create a kind of healthy approach to managing people essentially and and that means you know accepting that everybody is different with different capabilities and skills and knowledge that they bring to the table yeah. and then managing them appropriately so if for some reason they don't kind of fit the mold of your organization then you know, maybe you have to look at why. Perhaps you haven't recruited the right person. But the worst thing to do is to, to devalue a person because then maybe don't fit in. So, you know, leadership is, is, is the key because if you have a good leader, you will have a healthy workplace environment, which generally will acknowledge that if stress is becoming an issue, then the organisation will address it because the leader is aware, you know, uh, along with people within the management team, if you like. But if you've got a, a leader that, unfortunately, you do get some that really don't recognise the value of their people, then that's when you turn, you get that yeah. toxic yeah. culture creation and then the stress kicks in for people, and that's not good. And which, which, are, which do you reckon are the most... Uh, sorry, just going to get some echo. Um, which do you reckon are the most common mental health problems in the workplace? Perhaps it's deeper than just stress. I think anxiety plays a huge part because, um, you know, stress, anxiety, depression, they're all kind of linked together and one, you know, one causes the other. Yeah. Um, but I think anxiety in particular, um, because people get very anxious if they don't understand what they're meant to be doing, they get anxious. If they feel that they're being constantly criticised, they will become anxious. If they feel they're being micromanaged, they will become anxious and so on and so forth. So that's probably um, more common than, than, than most mental health conditions, but then the stress and, and potentially depression can all kick in as a consequence. Yeah. And just to, for our listeners, can you just differentiate um, what is anxiety, depression and stress and how are they linked together? What kind of okay, what stages so do they come in? I can, I can speak for myself, if you like, if that's okay. Yeah. So yeah. I'll start with stress because stress manif manifested itself. Maybe that's the first bit, potentially. Stress manifests itself where perhaps you're getting quite bad-tempered. You're starting to feel like you've never got enough time. You're starting to – the self-doubt kicks in because, you know, perhaps somebody around you is making you feel inadequate in your role. So then you're starting to stress about it, which can then affect how you sleep, how you eat, how you feel physically. And then for me, definitely as I journeyed through, you know, because stress is okay to a certain degree, but once it tips over into the strain, that's when it then becomes even more of an issue for, for individuals. So that for me was the tipping point when that became a more, more of a yeah. strain. Then I started to feel very anxious about going to work. So, you know, that's when I started to feel very panicky about going to work and constantly worrying about 
was I doing this right? Did I get that right? Rechecking your emails five, six, seven times before you send something out, for example, you know, because you're anxious about the, getting the message across properly and have you done it right? So that, that kind of behaviour kicked in. And then, of course, when you get to the point where the stress and the anxiety together overwhelms you, as it did me, and yeah. created a mental health breakdown, then <laughs> you can go into a very, very low mood. You're very, very tearful because you don't recognise yourself anymore. Your identity is kind of erased because, you know, a lot of us, work is what defines us because we spend a lot of time at work. Yes. So for me, um, come, have, going, you know, being too ill to go to work and then losing the connections with all my, what I call my workplace family, my colleagues, that was like a massive bereavement. So that depressed me even more. Um, so, you know, depression is, it, for different people, there are similarities. You can have very severe depression where you can't literally get out of bed and function at all. Or for me, fortunately, because I had a good support network around me, I could get up, I could go through the day, but I would find myself upset at music, upset at conversation. You could turn very quickly in your mood um, because generally most of the time you feel quite flat and it's very hard to lift yourself out of that. It's very, very difficult because you feel very devalued and very demotivated as a consequence. How long do you reckon it take to get from let's say from the moment when someone becomes stressed until the moment when the person is actually you know, depressed, this, this curve, is it, is it a matter of weeks? Is it a matter of months or does it depend too much on, on the individual? I honestly think it depends on the circumstances that the individual is experiencing. Yeah. Um, it, certainly for me, it was probably, I would say about three months end to end, you know, um, but for somebody else, it could probably take longer because it, yeah. I would say it would depend on the intensity of the, the stress, the bullying or whatever you're experiencing. You know, if you've got something constant, 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 it's going to drive you down much quicker than yeah. if it's a drip, drip, drip. Um, yeah. Mine was the drip, drip, drips sort that just kept going and going and going in terms of criticism and stuff. So I think it varies from person to person and definitely driven more by circumstances mm-hmm. yeah okay and to change gears a bit maybe we can try to speak a bit about the potential um potential ways to determine whether you're stressed when you're what are the key questions that you can ask the people to understand how they really are in the workplace you mean to try and sort of yeah okay workplace, yeah. do you know one of the, the best thing you can do particularly as a manager is to ask someone how they are you know yeah. and yeah. nine times out of ten we are conditioned to say we're fine because yeah. that's what yeah. we do as human beings but actually if you're a, if you're a good people manager you will already be in tune with the people that work with you so you will start to recognize differences in them so, so you will know Yes, exactly. So I think, you know, asking somebody how they are, it costs nothing to do that, but it can open up a conversation whereby, you know, a person feels safe maybe to share the fact that they're not feeling so good. And, you know, it's good if you can operate like an open door policy for 
the staff in the workplace so that they don't feel they can't come and talk to you if they have got an issue because we all have stuff that happens outside of work that impacts us in work as well um then you know that that for me would, is the best thing you can do is is to be open and communicative and aware of people's perhaps physical behavior sometimes and how even how they put themselves across when they're speaking because you can tell generally if someone's demeanor has changed because they might be stressed something's going on um and ask them how they are just open up the conversation yeah because we have a lot of stuff going on that affects us yeah and how do you recognize this conversation different if it is held online versus if it is held in person? Mm, you see, online is no problem. I have no problem with, you know, for example, you know, our world has been virtual for so long, hasn't it now? Because of yeah. the, the way we had to do. And, you know, the people that I work with who manage people, I encourage them to check in online to see how people are because let's keep the line of communication open. The difference difficulty with online and yeah. i'm not saying you shouldn't do it at all i'm saying yes communication is great let's keep it going but when you're physically opposite a person you can read their body language more than you can when you're sat on zoom it's not quite the same um and and similarly you know because it is a very artificial kind of conversation when it's yeah. virtual a more one-to-one in the room together well, you know, in my experience, when I was managing staff, you know, um, if, if they were upset, they could they could show they were upset. It's very hard to do that when you're online. It's not quite the same, you know. So yeah. it, it, it swings and roundabouts with both. But for me, it's about keeping the conversation going, the lines of communication open um, to, to just keep checking in with your people. And if you can't see them then by all means, check in with them online. So, you know, let them know that you're keeping an eye out for them and that you want to know they're okay. And if there is stuff going on at work, how can you put that right? How can you help them? How can you help? Yeah. And I guess uh, in, in virtual communication, it is very important, if possible, to have a chat with video on as opposed yes. to just... Video off. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Because also, you know, you, you can also, I know, I know we've all dressed down a bit because we've all been on Zoom for so long, you know, that I hear people saying they're sat there in their pyjamas and they've got a shirt on top, <laughs> which of course, you know, <laughs> that's quite fine. But, um, you know, but I personally haven't done that, otherwise I don't feel like I'm working. Um, but, you know, I, I can remember somebody who I was teaching a while ago and they didn't always switch their camera on. And then when they did you could see that there was an actual difference to their appearance and, and, and they stayed on the call afterwards and they did tell me that they were really struggling with the lockdown life. They were finding it very hard. So they, they had kind of stopped looking after themselves, like their hair. And I know we couldn't get a haircut for months, but, you know, when we could, they still hadn't. Yeah. And, and, and those can be signs, you know, that somebody's not taking so much care of themselves because they're not feeling so great about themselves. So, yeah, video on is uh, recommended, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And another question I wanted to ask you is about recognizing signs, whether a workplace is safe from a mental perspective. For a young person who is about to enter into the workforce, 
what are those uh, potential red signs or clues that can that can tell? Do you mean clues in terms of this might not be such a great place to work, for example? Yes. Yeah. From in terms of mental health perspective, and yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, in terms of signs to look out for generally, and and, and you know, and there are some industries that, that historically have a high turnover of staff and can't always do anything about it. Yeah. But yeah. there are some environments that you would go into, and there is that turnover of staff and that kind of you'll get that feeling the minute you go into the organization you'll get a feeling for it because organizations have personalities yeah. okay yeah. just and the people all contribute to the personality so as a young person going into the workplace and, and my daughter's experienced this she she's she's just 19 so she's been doing a number of jobs over the last few years but a couple of times she's come home from different places and she said oh the atmosphere was really like Mm, you know and yet then another day the atmosphere was better because different people were in <laughs> like yeah. a different manager so it those are kind of telltale signs think about you know when you go into a room full of people you get a vibe you know wherever you go yeah organizations yeah. will give that off and then that can give you that kind of sign that actually if the vibe's not particularly good and the staff seem very sort of low of mood then the chances are, if you stay in that organisational environment, you will find yourself pulled down to that level um, because something's not right there with the culture. Yeah. I guess it's easy to spot those signs once, once you're in the organisation, but is it possible to have a clue about that, for example, during the interviewing stage before you have actually um, entered into an organisation? Yeah, I think, I think we have to remember with interviews, we often forget, right, as especially young people, because they're not necessarily experienced the interviews, but I encourage lots of students that I've taught over time, young people especially, an interview is a two-way process. Okay, yes. so you're, you're going to go into the, yeah, you're going to go into the interview and you're going to feel like, ooh, actually, turn it around prepare some questions, do some research on the organisation, check it out because, you know, there'll be potentially testimonials from customers or there might be staff feedback. There's all sorts of stuff out there. Do a little bit of research before your interview to almost get a feel for the company or the organisation before you go in and yeah. prepare some questions so that you then interview them to make sure yeah. that this yeah. is the right fit for you. Because it's all about dynamics fitting together in a particular um, organisational culture. So, you know, remember it's, it's a two-way process. Do your preparation, do your research, but get some questions ready. And, and you can ask about stuff like staff turnover and, and what 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 do they how do they view well-being in the workplace and what initiatives do they have and you know all that kind of thing that because because we're so much more aware of mental health now lots of organizations are embracing those kind of initiatives can you can you can you perhaps recommend some questions that you could to ask to ask your interview our listeners yeah I would, I would definitely i mean i would want to know if it wasn't a new if it wasn't a new job they were going for I would, I would then find, I'd ask the question why there was a vacancy for a start. How, how's the job become available? You know? yeah. 
because you'll pick up straight away. I mean, it, it, again, you know, I say I use the word an interview is an audition. So we're all acting when we're in the room. But it will be very difficult for the person doing the interview to not give a bit away if there's been an issue with, with the recruitment of that post. So, you know, we want to kind of dig into it and find out, you know, how long the post has been there. You know, has there been a high turnover of staff? Or why did the yeah. last person leave? Um, those are the good kind of things to ask. What's, what's, the, what's the potential development within the post? Is it like just going to stay at it is or is there some career progression there? And how do they support that as an organisation? You know, how do they help people to grow and flourish through, through continued professional development opportunities, you know, training, yeah. leadership development stuff? Because, you know, I know, you know, there are many jobs that are what you would call mundane, but it doesn't mean to, it doesn't need to be like that. You can still get the best out of it if, if you know, there's a two-way process between the employer and the employee and you're developing yeah. the employee as they come in and keeping them engaged because that's what you want to do. So I definitely do that, those kind of questions, so, you know, to find out and, and yeah. find out how long they've been established. You know, they've been going five minutes, 50 years. What, have they won any awards? And if they have, what are they for? Do they yeah. have any quality standards, like investing in people, for example, or ISO 9001? They're all good things to ask. Yeah. And um, perhaps one of the last questions I wanted to ask you about, because you, you were speaking about different industries, and I'm wondering, have you noticed differences in the mental health problem across different industries? Are there, uh, you know, industries that are, are having more problems than others? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you heard just recently, and it's not surprising, I mean, given the strain that our mental health service and community health services, anyone that's been dealing with, you know, the pandemic on the front line, um, particularly, but especially NHS, because the staff are burnt out, which is not surprising because that was reported recently. So there has been reports of uh, an increase in uh, problems with mental health. And let's not forget that that industry, if you like, is already under a strain before it's had extra strain layered on it. Yeah. So, you know, stress is already in that environment. Um, and certainly, I've, you know, I know from some of the work that I've done, like the, the care, health and social care sector in particular, it is under huge amounts of pressure, um, under-resourced, yeah. underfunded, et cetera, et cetera. So people are, you know, firing on all cylinders and being asked to do so much that it's burning people out so you know there's there's lots of um things that need to be done really to try and improve where we can um yeah. but of course you know it's a lot of it is down to lack of resources which then puts a massive strain on the people that are already delivering care you know um so yeah. sadly whilst really our health and social care and national health should be a glowing example of marvellous mental health awareness, it's not been possible because of the strain on those particular sectors and the people within it. 
So I would say those in particular, and there's lots of others that are not so obvious, but I would say they're most definitely. From And, and um, the last question that uh, I wanted to ask you, Lizzie, is from what moment would you advise someone to seek help if they suspect that they may be getting burned out or if they may be feeling uh, stressed? Okay, so don't do what I did and ignore the signs, right? If you are, <laughs> yeah, I know you're laughing, but it's true. If you're pulling um, up at, outside the office and you're starting to feel palpitations and your legs are shaking and you feel physically yeah. sick at the thought of going into work, that is a massive, massive, massive sign that there's a problem. So yeah. go back a bit. As I, as I mentioned to you earlier, headache, regular headaches with stomach aches should not be ignored. Okay. okay. People, people develop migraine. They develop irritable bowel syndrome. Not always through stress, but they can be stress-related. So if you're starting to see those signs within your body actually giving you, because your body will tell you, but we're very good at ignoring our body and just powering through, you know, yeah. Because um, that's the but that's the time to start questioning what's going on, and maybe um, get go to, go to see the GP or um, the therapist, you know, natural therapist, yeah. and, and seek some help, or, or talk to your manager if your manager is someone who you should be able to approach. That's definitely what you should be doing. Go and raise it with them. Okay. Understood. Thank you very, thank you very much, Lisa. You're very welcome. It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you.